This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Irma Bombeck has written a book, the title of which expresses the feeling that many people probably have had at one time or another in their life. The title of her book is, If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, Why Am I Always in the Pits? (laughs) One preacher described that same feeling when he tells about the wino who was always hanging around this particular restaurant. He became so obnoxious that he was running the customers away. And they couldn't get rid of him. They would put him out, but he'd always come back in. Well, one day when this wino was in a stupor, the employees at the restaurant had an idea. They rubbed some Limburger cheese on his mustache and his beard. Smelly cheese. When he woke up, he sniffed and said, I'm getting out of this place. This place stinks. So he went to the barber shop, but after being there a short time, he concluded, this place stinks too. Then he went to an old house where a couple of his fellow alcoholics were sleeping, but it wasn't long before he said to them, you guys stink. I'm getting out of here. Finally, he returned to the restaurant where he told the folks, I've decided that the whole world stinks. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever seen people who think like that? Everything is wrong in Washington with the president and the state capitol with the governor. Everything's wrong down at City Hall with the mayor and everybody there. Everything is wrong at work and right on down the line at home and the family and the neighborhood. Everything is dark, gloomy despair. Now, these feelings I've just described are really symptoms of a greater problem. But there are other symptoms as well. There's apathy, fatigue. You just don't want to get up in the mornings. When you finally do get up and go to work, you can't seem to come to grips with the problems you face. You can't make decisions. You sit at your desk and shuffle papers. You can't make those calls that you ought to be out making. You just can't get it done. If you are a housewife or better called a homemaker, you may have a similar problem. You just can't get motivated to do the housework that's before you to be waiting on you to do. So you sit around in your bathrobe drinking coffee and reading the paper. Or if you're a student, you go to school, but you're not really with it at all. You can't concentrate on the subject before you. Your mind wanders. This gloomy mood hits people on Sundays too. I heard of a mother who tried to get her son out of bed one Sunday morning. She said, get up, son, this is Sunday. He replied, I know it is, but I'm not going to Sunday school and church today. Well, his mother was cool and collected. She said, give me two good reasons why you're not going. He said, I could give you a hundred reasons, mama, but here's a couple of them. First, nobody in that church likes me. And second, I don't like anybody in that church. Well, undaunted, the mother replied, Son, I'm going to give you two good reasons why you ought to get out of that bed and go. I could give you a hundred too, but here's a couple of reasons. First of all, you are 35 years old, 
and you know it's right to go to church. And the second reason you ought to go is because you are the pastor. <laughs> the problem I'm describing today is the number one mental illness as has been reported by the National Institutes of Mental Health. It's called what we call depression. Now, I don't have all the answers for depression. There are many forms of it. But I read in a, an article not too long ago that there were 8 million people in our nation who sought professional help medically or psychologically for what we call depression. And it's been estimated that probably another 15 million suffered from depression and worked through it without any professional help. Depression has been called the number one cause of suicide. It's by no means confined to adults either. Even small children are beset with depression. You know the symptoms of depression, gloom, despair, cynicism, ultra-critical attitude, hair-trigger emotions. At the drop of a hat, one cries and goes to pieces, folds up. Or another person may react a different way, may blow up, getting angry over the least little thing. What's wrong with us? Is depression only with those who are atheists, God-haters, unchristian? Well, we hope not, because many professing Christians have a constant battle with depression. Is this the best that God has to offer for His children? Surely not. God says, I don't want you to live with depression. I don't want you to be down in the pits. I want you to get out. Well, then how does God help us? Is He silent at this point? Oh, no. Once again, we go to the Bible, the Word of God, for light and for help. I want us to look briefly today at the story of the prophet Elijah and see how he dealt with depression. In case you've forgotten the details of that story, uh, let me just recount it briefly. You can find it in 1 Kings 19, first 18 verses. But let me just tell you the story. Ahab the king had married Jezebel, a pagan queen. She had brought in 450 prophets of Baal, idolatry. Elijah, the man of God, went in to, Abraham, uh, to Ahab. And he said to him, God is pronouncing judgment upon you and on your pagan queen. There will be no more rain for three and a half years. A great drought will come. And sure enough, it happened. The drought swept the land. Finally, Elijah had a contest on Mount Carmel with those 450 prophets of Baal to prove who is the one true and living God. The 450 prophets laid out their sacrifice and tried to call on their false gods to send down fire and consume the sacrifice. Elijah laughed at them and teased them when nothing happened. And that went on all day long. And toward the end of the day, Elijah said, okay, now let me have my chance. I want you folks to bring barrels of water and pour on this sacrifice. Dig a trench around the altar. So they brought in barrels and barrels of water. Everything was soaked on the sacrifice. And then Elijah looked toward heaven and he prayed, oh God, let them know that you are the one true and living God. Send down fire and consume this altar. And would you know it? Then fire came down and consumed not only the altar and the sacrifice, but it lapped up all the water that had gathered in the trench all the way around it. 
Well, as a result of this, the people turned against the prophets of Baal. And when Jezebel heard about this, she sent word to Elijah saying, May God strike me dead if I don't have you killed by this time tomorrow. Well, that threat scared Elijah to death. He, he took her seriously, so he started running. From Mount Carmel, he ran south along the valley of the Jordan River, down the King's Highway, all the way down to Beersheba. And there he left his servant, but Elijah continued running to Mount Sinai at the southern border. Finally, he plopped down under a juniper tree and he said, Go, God, I want to die. Take my life from me. I'm through. I'm finished. <clears throat> Here we see Elijah in a terrible depression. Now, did you ever feel like that? You say, I wish I were dead. I wonder if we really mean it when we say it. I heard about a fellow on a construction job one time who got so discouraged, everything was all wrong. <clears throat> Finally, he said, Lord, I wish I were dead. And about that time, a brick mason who was working up above him accidentally dropped a brick, which fell on this man, hit him on the head. He looked up and said, now, Lord, don't take me so seriously. <clears throat> what was it that caused Elijah's depression? Well, what causes ours today? I want us to look at just a few causes and then at the cure. First, the causes. Why, why was he depressed? One, Elijah had lost his physical stamina. He was, he was physically tired. He'd run about 300 miles without food or rest. This sort of thing can happen to us. You get under pressure with more work than you can possibly do. You can't see an end to your job. And finally, you're just physically exhausted. That exhaustion can be a big factor in making you depressed. Another reason for Elijah's depression was because he had lost his contact with God. When he was on Mount Carmel, Elijah's eyes were fixed on God. His faith was clear. His vision was pure. Oh, sure, there were enemies all around him, 450 of them actually, but he still saw God. But when Elijah took his eyes off of God, started looking at Jezebel and what she had to say, he got scared. You see, he switched his focus in life. Remember the song we used to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Another reason Elijah was depressed was because he lost his fellowship with other people. When he was there all alone under the juniper tree, Elijah had no person to talk with, no fellowship of kindred minds to sustain or to encourage him. You know, some people today make that same mistake. When troubles come in on them, they retreat to solitude, and that's the loneliest place in the world. They forsake the assembling of themselves together with other Christians. They quit going to church. The person who says, I don't need anybody. I can get along just as well by myself is fooling just one person himself. Well, there may be other reasons for Elijah's depression, but let's move to the positive side. What was the cure? What does God have to offer us for our depression? <clears throat> well, first of all, get some rest. The first thing God did for Elijah was to put him to sleep. Then an angel awakened him while he was under that juniper tree, told him to take some food and drink. Then Elijah slept some more. 
Then he took some more food and drink. You know, it's hard to beat that pattern, eating and sleeping. But sometimes that's exactly what God may want us to do, get physically refreshed. God told Elijah he would not be able to face the test of the future un unless he got some rest and refreshment right now. Another thing that was helpful for Elijah he needed to have was God showed Elijah his sin. There are a lot of modern day people who look with disfavor on preachers who preach on sin. But this is so often the cause of our depression. A heart is, that is loaded down with guilt simply cannot find freedom and happiness. You have to find release from guilt. You may talk with a counselor or a minister or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but just talking will not always lift the load. There comes a time when a person must come face to face with God and with his own sins. What was Elijah's sin? Well, I've already suggested some areas of sin in his life. He lost his faith in God and in others. You remember when Elijah prayed, Lord, I'm the only one you've got left who is faithful. What was he really saying? Wasn't he really saying, God, the cause of righteousness has failed. Your plan didn't work, Lord. Everybody else has quit except me. Don't you realize that it is a sin to say, God, you don't have your hand on my life. You're no longer able to do anything about what has happened to me. And so in the depths of depression, that person feels like this, God, this situation has gotten even beyond you. And even you can't help me out. <clears throat> well, the truth is that God has a plan and a purpose for every life. He wants us to express our faith in Him and trust Him for the outcome, even when things don't go the way we want them to. It is just as wrong for us to conclude that we've lost our faith in others, too. When Elijah told God that he was the only one remaining the only survivor of righteousness, God corrected him. He said, wait a minute, Elijah. There are 7,000 men in Israel who have never bowed to Baal nor kissed him. That's 1 Kings 19, verse 18. <clears throat> so in essence, God was saying, Elijah, you are wrong. We are going to win. And so God sent Elijah back to work. He put him in action, into action. God said, Elijah, what are you doing lying around there feeling sorry for yourself? Get up off of your depression and get back to work. When we're contributing to the help of other people, we find that blessing comes our way as well. Isn't that what Jesus meant when he said, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again? Madeline Bridges expressed that truth in her poem, Life's Mirror. These are her words. There are loyal hearts, there are spirits brave, there are souls that are pure and true. Then give to the world the best that you have and the best will come back to you. Give love and love to your life will flow, a strength in your utmost need. Have faith and a score of hearts will show their faith in your word and deed. Give truth and your gift will be paid in kind. Honor will honor meet, and a smile that is sweet will surely find a smile that is just as sweet. Give pity and sorrow to those who mourn. 
you will gather in flowers again. The scattered seeds from your thought outborn, though the sowing seemed but vain. For life is the mirror of king and slave, tis just what we are and do. Then give to the world the best that you have, and the best will come back to you. Well, what do we do about this? How do we how do we deal with it? Is God saying to you, I want to help you? I believe he is. Not just in handling depression, but God says, I want to help you achieve victory in your life in every way. I want to help you get hold of yourself, to have confidence in yourself. God is still on his throne and he has his hand on you. He can cleanse your sin, remove the guilt, and give you victory through Jesus. You can be a new person starting right now. You can start a new life. Will you? We sang in our service today, something beautiful, something good. All my confusions he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. Lord, we need that. We pray that for every person listening to me right now, they may hear not just my voice, but hear your voice of love saying, I'm ready to help. I'm ready to lift you out of those bad feelings of depression that you may be having. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are and for helping us right where we are. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. <music>